0: This is AEW superstar, former AEW world tag team champion, Swerve Strickland, the mogul himself, whose house? Swerve's house. And you are listening to the awesome, sick, electric,
1: amazing Wrestle In. Hello, hello, hello. It is me, it is me, your true heel phenom, SP3, back once again, right here, Wrestle In for another edition of ace techers this is your new japan pro wrestling focused podcast here on wrestle in and i am joined by my esteemed colleague you hear him over on wrestle things youtube channel also see him revolution radio over there doing big things it's your boy nk
0: yo people it's your boy nk aka the man at our two seat to be sour um yeah, man, we have got a lot to talk about um today, but yeah, but I've li- it literally feels like I've been with SP three all week because we were on a um, true Hill heat <laughs> talking about a Forbidden Door and then preview and then now we're you know doing um you know Forbidden Door review and all new Japan content on um Ace Tucker. So yeah, man, it's uh it's good to be here, man. Yeah, let's get yeah, into so- it, man
1: we're going to talk about forbidden door in depth on this podcast here. We also got to discuss the Independence Day shows that are going on next week. Uh this will give you our final previews to close this week's show and then anything else that we could think of talking about new Japan pro wrestling. Before I go on a on a, a diatribe about the uh zero hour and the people that we're on it and probably shouldn't have been on it and should have been on the main show your overall thoughts for njpw's uh you know representation and aew new japan forbidden door overall what was your overall thoughts nk Hmm.
0: overall thoughts on the shuffle the show was excellent um representation for new japan I wouldn't say it was bad, but I don't know. I feel like there's... I feel like next year we need to switch it up when in regards to who gets represented. I feel like we need to... Sh- I feel like what Forbidden Door was was kind of like the all-stars of New Japan where, you know, the Tanahashi's, the Okada's, the Naito's, you know, the, the and obviously the IWGP champion in Sonada, the all-stars. But I feel yeah. next year and going forward, um, New York. Jo- um, Forbidden Doors can kind of be a representation. Of course, like we want to see the All Stars. We want to see the the guys that are bubbling, the guys that are up and coming, or the guys that don't get net. Don't always get the opportunities as the All Stars. You know, we people like Master Wato, people um like Desperado. Um, you know, even obviously next year maybe a Yota Suji Obviously, we got um Shota this year, but that's because mostly because of his affiliation with Moxley. I think next year I want to see a lot more balance when it comes to the card. Um, even people like guys like Shingo, I've been dying for some like, I, listen, I call it, like, us Shingo fans this year, man, we haven't been dealt a good hand, man. It started off well with Okada versus Shingo this year, but then we haven't seen him do much since the Nakajima match. I haven't really seen Shingo, you know, be Shingo. And Shingo's like one of the best wrestlers in the world, let alone the company. So I want to see, you know, a, a variety of talent showcase. Right now, we're just fools like, the all-star shows and the show's only been happening for two years so you can get away with that but going forward like I said you know especially especially the juniors man they need some love man the juniors definitely need some love they need some love for sure
1: Yes, if you're the Shingo Takagi guy on this podcast, I'm the Hiromu Takahashi uh, guy on this podcast. And I need me a Hiromu on the main card. I need me a Hiromu singles match. Uh, Sanal's going to be joining us in just a bit here, but we could both echo that we've been wanting Hiromu Takahashi and Darby Allen one on one at Forbidden Door for the past two years. And we still ain't fed. All we got fed this year was a multi-man matchup where the, the oh, two-thirds of the team they faced was from New Japan anyway. They barely has interacted with AEW stars, let alone get fed and get his own spotlight. But, man, man, can we can, can we get some love for the LIJ boys? Shingo and Arana, Please, those please. are the biggest victims
0: of Forbidden Door so far. Please, man. They need some love, man. They definitely need some love.
1: Well, I'm going to go on my diatribe right here. I know NK got to do a little something, but let's talk about this Zero Hour, guys, Uh, listening on Ace Techers here. On the first match on Zero Hour, you had the Mogul Embassy, Swerve Strickland, the Gates of Agony, Bishop Khan, and Toa Leona uh, teaming up with Brian Cage as well to face the eight-man team of Chaos, And El Desperado, which Chaos was represented by Chucky T, Trent, and Rocky Romero, best friends in Rocky Romero, teaming up with El Desperado, which... If you're a New Japan fan, I know this was very weird. And I know, uh, you know, I did the review over on True Hill Heat with Sanal and her being, you know, the diehard New Japan fan that she was. He was like, it's just been such a weird year since the splintering off of Suzuki-Gun, where you have El Desperado, kind of one of the main diehard mainstays of Suzuki-Gun, is now teaming up with the kind of the offshoot representatives of Chaos with Rocky Romero and the best friends. And it was a weird combination because you even had the best friends doing their little, you know, all hands in during their entrance. And Desperado was just like, okay, I'll join you guys. And then when they wanted to do the best friends, give the people what they want, hug in the middle of the ring with Rocky Romero. It was it was El Desperado in the middle, taking the hug and just looking so enthusiastic about it. But I, I thought they, the first match on the Zero Hour between Mogul Embassy and Chaos and Desperado was a strong matchup. It got the most time of any of the Zero Hour matchups, which I think I would say is a nitpick to the Zero Hour in in general, because I think if you would have made this matchup the same length as what you gave the next three matchups, you could have gate two more minutes to probably the final two matches of the zero hour uh, pre-show that needed it. But 12 minutes everybody got a lot of time To shine you had eight guys in there That were really looking good the One big nitpick of this Match as well is that we Wanted to see this matchup for El Desperado versus Swerve Strickland they showed the hell out And gave us a very memorable Zero hour pre-show Matchup last year when it was El Desperado teaming up with Kanamaru to verse Swerve in our Glory and all the sequences And all the interaction and exchange changes between Desperado and Swerve were the highlight of that matchup. So I thought when they made this match here, we're going to get more Despy and Swerve going at it. And they just barely kind of scratched the surface as far as that matchup. I would love for Desperado if he's going to be back in the States, if he can appear on an episode of Dynamite and go one-on-one with Strickland, I would be all for that, but they really didn't give us enough. They didn't give us enough of what we really wanted with Swerve and Desperado going at it. But if you are a fan of AEW like I am, I am a huge fan of Sword Strickland. I think the guy is ultra talented. He just has that aura of menace and just being pure evil. I make the comparison to him. When he smiles, he gives up the aura of Randall from Monsters, Inc. Like, you just really get it. Oh, you you just know that he is not a good person. He just is that that evil type of guy and type of villain. And I love the fact that, you know, he's been getting more focused as of late. But he's taken some big losses, whether it's to Orange Cassidy for the AEW International Championship, whether it's to uh, Hiroshi Tadahashi on AEW Collision, which we'll talk about, NJPW's you know representation on Collision this week on the second episode. Uh, but he took the loss there. He took the loss to Orange Cassidy. They lost the eight-man tag to Sting, Darby, OC, and Keith Lee. So they needed this victory here. And they got it with Swerve hitting the Swerve Stomp on Rocky Romero. Rocky Romero, if you looked at the other team, he was the guy that could have took the loss. Of course, Chuck e. T. could took the loss as well, but you know, Rocky Romero, he's usually there to take the fall. He's the electrician of the chaos team, and he was looking up at the light as Swerve Strickland got the victory, and like I said, this one went 12 and a half minutes, so got plenty of time on the buy-in, on the pre-show buy-in, whatever you want to call it, But none of the other matches got that much time. And that was my main issue with this. As the next match that we saw, we had Athena versus Billy Starks. Billy Starks is an upstart, really kind of like what a lot of people call a prodigy in this professional wrestling game. I think she's really fit into the mold that was previously filled on the non-WWE programming as far as women's wrestling, as well as young young prodigy that everybody was looking at that's going to be a huge star when they you know grow into the performer that they're gonna be she has filled that void that was left by roxy aka roxanne perez when she went to nxt billy starks has really filled that at 18 years old just three weeks coming off of her graduation where she was valley victorian so she's not only a great wrestler she's a great student she's very smart uh and she had a very hard-hitting matchup with athena here and athena bam I can't say enough good things about Athena. Athena's been one of the best women's wrestlers in the whole entire world, not just North America. I think she's the best woman's champion in North America, but I think she's been one of the best women's wrestlers in the entire world with this new character that she's been displaying, the Fallen Goddess, and just really being this bully who has just dominated different women on the Ring of Honor brand. And this was her first big opportunity on an AEW pay-per-view since all out of 2022 when she lost a four-minute matchup to Jade Cargill for the TBS Championship, and she took advantage of this spotlight here. They got seven minutes, very some stiff work from both ladies here, and I love the finish with Billy Starks kind of being a little bit overzealous, going for a risk, going for a swanton bomb off the top rope, down to the apron, hitting hard, crashing and burning, and then Athena taking advantage, hitting her elevated code breaker for the victory here. This one got just about seven, seven and a half minutes but you know you really could have gotten more from these two ladies as well but i thought out of all the matches that didn't get a lot of time on the zero hour pre-show this one kind of fit the mold as far as It felt like the right amount of time for what they can offer here. And I thought it was a good matchup. Athena moves on in the Owen Hart women's tournament, and she'll be facing Willow Nightingale in the next round. And if you've seen Ring of Honor television earlier this year with Athena and Willow Nightingale, they gave us, by far, in my opinion, the best women's matchup on weekly TV. One of the best women's matchups in the world of 2023 so far. And I'm sure with a bigger spotlight on an episode of Dynamite or even Collision this will be another great matchup between these two ladies in the Owen Hart Memorial Tournament. Next, you had El Fantasmo versus Stu Grayson, another match that got just seven minutes, but I felt like this one, they packed a lot, and they had a hell of a sprint in this one where both guys got to stand out, and I really wouldn't be surprised if they faced each other a few times before, you know, both guys from the Canadian scene, a battle of two Canadians here on the Zero Hour pre show so both guys had their own fans, love the entrance for uh, The Righteous and Stu Grayson with the fans actually clapping and doing the snap along with <laughs> with Vincent Ding. Ding. You know, you know, SB3, you got to sing on these episodes of Ace Techers. But yes, uh, <laughs> uh, you got them coming out, getting a nice reaction from the fans. El Fantasmo also coming out with a nice reaction, but he did come out with his old theme, which seemed to be a theme of the night overall when it came to the New Japan stars coming out to older themes, some on purpose. Some were very vocal in it not being on purpose, but we will definitely get into that as we go on with this. Uh, but El Fantasmo picking up the victory over Stu Grayson, as the good sister sanal has joined us. Welcome, sanal How are you doing?
2: I'm good. Can you hear me properly? Is my like okay, good.
1: You're good. You're good to go, Sanal. Sanal, I'm I'm breaking down the zero hour show for the for the listeners here. I talked about the the eight man tag, Athena and Billy Starks. Now I'm talking about Stu Grayson and El Fantasma here. Any thoughts on this matchup with El Fantasma getting the victory with CR two to to I'm, get the win here?
2: It's another thing that like the distribution of times within the matches. I think this could have had a good solid more amount of time especially we're going into G1 season and I feel like Phantasma would really have benefited even maybe teasing something for the G1 so like maybe he could have looked around and almost said like oh there's nobody here and just something like that I feel like it's a good stepping stone for his G1 it's a win but I just wanted something more
1: Hey, if you're going to interplay, you know, AEW and uh, New Japan a little bit, why not you have you have Stu Grayson with this whole rivalry with Dark Order? What if Stu, what if El Phantasmo is becomes the new leader
2: of the Dark Order? No, we've already got this. We've got it because El Phantasmo is going to go to New Japan and he's going to find a home with the Gorillas of Destiny with the three Tongans. Don't don't change it up. So no, he's gonna be—he's gonna issues. be the
1: new—he's gonna be the new exalted one, the new leader of the dark order.
2: <laughs> Please just imagine his gimmick just changes completely. Latin looks like evil.
1: <laughs> Where's the the evil eyeliner and everything? That would be nice. Well, Finley
2: already has taken like the the like spikes and stuff. So just i will i to find some inspiration.
0: <laughs> inspiration from
1: somewhere with that but yeah i thought i thought this was a good matchup for just getting you know just over seven minutes uh plenty plenty of great moves from each guy Stu grayson man he's he's very underrated,
2: underrated. yeah
1: he's so but underrated
2: is also underrated
1: I agree. This was like a battle of two uh, underrated guys on each roster and Stu Grayson, you know, showed out showing his athleticism. The 450 splash he did was so pretty. And then uh, El Phantasmo kind of putting him away with CR2 to get to look prepared for the G1. And I thought commentary did a good job of putting that over that he has to get himself prepped for his second G1 appearance. How do you think he's going to do overall in the G1?
2: I hope I'm trying to remember what block is he in. Is he the one with
1: Okada? He's he yeah. He's in the one with Okada and Will Osprey. So I don't see him. I don't see him getting out of that yeah. block with <laughs> Will and and Okada there. I think I think it's a, maybe a foregone conclusion that Okada and Osprey, one of if not both, are gonna be in the quarterfinals. So I mean they have yeah. to
2: if your dream finally of um, Okada and Kiyomiya again.
1: Yeah, I mean, they—they they denied me. I'm—I'm—I'm I, over it. I'm—I'm I'm just gonna—I'm just gonna accept the fact that Gato does not like me, that Gato hates my guts, and he will not give me what I want. He wants to be a coward and not put Okada in his proper block. If you trade off Okada and Sonata, then the G1 blocks would have been perfect because mm-hmm. you got the Hoss block with. Kingston, Ishii, Shingo, uh, you know you got the Savage, David Finley in there as well E-Box the the...
2: quite big as well, you've got Okada, obviously uh, Yoshihashi, Taichi, Taichi's been on like a roll recently because he obviously got his title, Kenta, yeah. le- we won't speak about that Great Okan, Will Ospreay, Tangaloa and El Fantasma. so maybe the Tangaloa and El Phantasmo match is something to watch out for because yes. that could be something there, you know. Like at the end of the match, they have like a mutual show of respect, and
1: it might be that... their their Tai Chi Sonata type of type of flow there, where exactly. they become the stable mates after they have a great match with one another. So that is that is true. That is something to look out for. This is why we have Sonata mm-hmm. here because she she likes those little details there, and then finally. <laughs> Finally, on zero hour, we had uh, the uh, trios matchup of Los Enganables de Japón, uh Shingo Takagi, Hiromu Takahashi, and Bushi versus United Empires, Kyle Fletcher, TJP, and Jeff Cobb. Did not get enough time with just over seven minutes. This is the match where I feel like if you would have gave the, the eight-man tag, seven minutes, and gave this 12 minutes, this would have arguably been one of the best matches of the night, because you have six guys who know how to work, who can have a great matchup, and they gave us a hell of a seven-minute matchup, but it just wasn't what I really wanted, but Hiromu Takahashi is nuts, he's one of the wrestlers of the year, and me and NK were kind of touching on that at the beginning, that Hiromu Takahashi needs to be on the main card going further for Forbidden Door. We don't know how much longer we got Hiromu Takahashi, so take advantage and put him on the main card next year. Stop being a coward, Gato and TK.
2: What I was thinking is that, and we'll speak about it later, the shocking six-man tag match that was the semi-main event, they should have swapped it out for that. And then you could have even like poor Bushi might not have got a place in the card, but like replace Bushi with Naito, and there you go—you got a dream match.
1: Imagine, imagine, imagine—they did the whole big thing on collision for Sting and Darby to be like, our partner is
0: Bushi.
2: <laughs> no, because in that sense, I know, like we um, said that Suji had another engagement, but if that wouldn't have been the case, Suji would have been a good one. But again, we'll speak. we we'll speak would. about the, monstros- the monstrosity of that match when we get to it.
1: We 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 definitely will. We definitely will. Um, I, I I'm just I'm just imagining Tony Schiavone saying, "It's Bushi."
2: You know what? I love Bushi. Like he didn't get pinned. I think, but I think Bushi's at the stage in his career a bit like Kanemaru. Knows that he can just get paid. He can put on a decent performance. Uh, if he wants, he can play spoiler. He doesn't really need to be winning championships. That's true. That picking is true. Picking up the paycheck.
1: Take, picking up the check. He gets laid With on his, his back. Store.
2: Don't you have a chicken store? Right, chicken store?
1: I think so. I think and you're I swear,
2: right. someone from Pro Wrestling Noah, Keno or Go, visited it recently. No, I'm going to try and find that because that's actually it. Because I know I remember, I was like, wait, that's really random.
1: <laughs> would it be this is surprise, the stuff you get on Ace
2: because you learn about chickens.
1: We get the fried chicken stock on, on Ace Techers here. This is how we roll, folks. Uh, but yes, uh, that was that was the zero-hour pre-show. So we go into the main card. Oh, and to say the zero-hour main event was won by LIJ with Shingo Takagi hitting the Made in Japan on TJP to get the victory. And that would start a theme of people losing to secondary finishers that will get Okay, into.
2: Quick thing, it was Keno. Keno went to Bushi's chicken stock. It was. It was before all together. It was before the all together show.
1: It was like I gotta get some chicken. Eat Bushy.
2: Yeah. Look so me. if you if you search for Kano's YouTube channel, is there's no subtitles, but it was quite funny. So Bushi the, wasn't even there.
1: <laughs> he wasn't even looking after the chicken. What are we doing?
2: Nah, he was. He was too busy taking the pins and staring at the ceiling.
1: <laughs> chicken and pins. That's that's the name of his chicken stock. Chicken and pins. <laughs> Thank <laughs> But the, the uh, main card for Forbidden Door Kicked off with the AEW World Championship Up for grabs of MJF versus Hiroshi Tadahashi And I know we all love Hira- Hiroshi Tadahashi But we've been kind of saying this on eight stickers all year More and more we're seeing the wear and tear build up on him It was more apparent and more prevalent In the matchup with Soro Strickland Which we'll touch on from Collision That I touched on on the Zero Hour we were talking about swerve but even here you could see that he he is rough i liked commentary covering for the fact that it takes him so long to get up for the high fly flow oh, oh it's, a, dif- it's right. a different
2: turn buckle oh it's it's very it's <laughs> some time to adapt <laughs> they're very different here in the america
1: yeah they have more of a boxing turnbuckle instead of here but i thought i thought the match was very well worked and it turned out being a good match of mjf focusing on the ribs with more like bear hugs the abdominal stretch aka the cobra twist and i loved mjf kind of playing off the the knowledge that he knows of new japan in the end he used the dynamite diamond ring behind the referee's back to get the win here and this was after hiroshi tadahashi got a visual pin on mjf so they did a nice job of protecting Tadahashi. Worked a more slower pace matchup that worked because it was the opener and the crowd was so invested into everything on here. NK, what did you think about MJF and Tadahashi?
0: Um, I thought it was a solid match, but it was rough, man. It was a tough watch. Um, seeing um Uncle Tanahashi like that. Um yeah, man, I think the day... Like, I think Tanahashi at this point in his career... Obviously, he's still, you know, going to work singles matches, but I'd rather just see him in multi-mans. Just have him do his, like, sports get in, get out. Um I think MJF did... MJF did the best he could with Tanahashi. It feels weird talking about Tanahashi like this. I don't like talking about him like this. Like, literally, before, like, Forbidden Door, like, I was going back through the archives and watching, like... um Old Tanahashi matches, I was watching um, Tanahashi versus Okada, King of Pro Wrestling. Um, and I was like, damn. We used to be like, like Tanahashi was really like one of the best in the world. And obviously, age catches up with all of us, but it's just, it just fills up with Tanahashi. was like, just one second he was great, and then not another second he's like, the knees are gone. Um, but MK, do you but... think
2: he would benefit for some time off, or do you think it's literally just he's done now?
0: I think he's. I think the damage has been done. I feel like the the time for time off passed long ago. Um, all those years of just like being in G One's New Japan Cups, you know, competing in Tokyo, though competing at, um main event of Wrestle Kingdom, those those years where he could have taken like maybe a couple months off here and there, it's kind of gone. And now it's kind of the damage has been done. It's been built up to this point, but. Who knows? I'm not a physio. I'm not a physio. But regardless, on a positive note, I think the match was good. The match was well worked. The psychology of the match made sense. And yeah, MJF versus Tanahashi, like character dynamic-wise, is very interesting. And I'd love to see um, MJF chop it up with a lot more New Japan stars in the future. Yeah,
1: I loved MJF with the with the robe that said "New Japan is an indie." He had yeah, the elbow sure. pad that said "Ace's ass." Uh, <laughs> so yeah, he played up uh, his character very well. It's just it's just sad to see Tadahashi with no knees. He just has yeah. no knees right now, and it, it makes me scared for the G one. Luckily, the G one is not nine matches. It's only seven now.
2: But that's still quite a lot for someone like that and it's not like he's got an like an easy block apart from Yano he's got Tetsuya Naito he's got I think uh he's got he's got some big names who put on good matches and I almost don't want Tanahashi to be the reason that those matches aren't great.
1: Yeah, but he's he's had he had great matches last year in the G1 with Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, with Godot, so maybe he could pull out one or two here. And I thought I thought the matchup with Will Ospreay at Resurgence was was great. So he he still can 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 sneak one out. We just didn't get it here. And he just—he looks like the damage is done, like NK was saying. Next up, we had another uh, older New Japan star versus a top guy in AEW. I was—it was CM Punk versus Satoshi Kojima in the Owen Hart Men's Tournament and talk about night and day like as Tadahashi looks broken down, it looks like Kojima has like a second a second <laughs> breath at, at life like going to Noah and having the, the excursion there, winning the GAC Heavyweight Championship winning the tag team titles over there, it seems to have renewed him and he had a very uh, strong style type of matchup, hard chops uh, some hard hitting offense, Punk really playing into the crowd for, in Toronto That really hated him, giving giving him this like John Cena 2011 reaction, and he's he's like going into it, playing off of the crowd, doing the lariat, lariat, lariat in the corner to Kojima, and then hitting him with the Tenzan chops, like really being the cocky heel and letting setting up for Kojima to have some very compelling comebacks in the matchup and hitting his signature offense, hitting his greatest hits, the elbow drop off the top right to the nuts which really took the breath out of out of punk but in the end punk hits a roundhouse kick and then the go to sleep to get the victory in this one i thought it was one of the stronger matches on the show that really exceeded expectations in my eyes so now what did you think about kojima and punk
2: (laughs) well it's the complete opposite to what we were with tanahashi because what because i think kojima's older isn't he yeah yeah so like kojima can go so much and albeit i think the main premise of this match was the, all the heat that cm Punk was getting but there will have been people who maybe didn't know kojima who would have walked out and gone you know what He's actually an amazing wrestler and sp3 you brought up earlier like commentary did a really good job of really pushing kojima's achievements just so he wasn't just any guy. And the, yeah, as well as like the Lariat one, it was like the Mongolian Chops taking that off Tenzan. I just think it worked really nicely. There were no titles on the line or anything and no one expected Koji to win. But it just proves that like the New Japan dads can go. Like we've seen it with Nagata and even Tenzan. Like they can, they're can they still in very good shape even if you compare, and Suzuki. But he'd probably kill us if we called him a New Japan dad. But like... <laughs> He's also in really good condition compared to Tanahashi.
1: Very true. Any thoughts on uh, Punk and Koji here, NK?
0: I was pleasantly surprised. This was a match when I saw on the card. I was like, eh, I don't know about this. Eh. But then when the match actually happened, I was like, whoa. Like, like Kojima's one of those people where I don't watch a lot of Noah, so I haven't seen his work in Noah, but like every time I've seen him pop up here and there, He's always, like, done his job and done his job well. Like, even at his age, he's always been able to still go. And him and Punk, like, put on a very entertaining match. Like, it would, like it was, yeah, very much night and day between the MJF Tanahashi match and then the Punk-Kojima match. And I was like, yeah, like, Kojima put in a good shift. And, yeah, this match was, like, very pleasant. I, I liked it a lot. Like, I was pleasantly surprised. I watched the match. I was like, do you know what, Kojima... I was unfamiliar with your game in 2023. I was unfamiliar, like I was. I'm sorry, like uh, I take it back. Um, but yeah, this match was totally um, entertaining.
2: I'm sort of upset that he's not in the G1. Like, I feel like yeah, could have like him and Suzuki. Like, I know probably Suzuki's probably gonna say something about him not being in it. But I feel like with the year that and the past two years that Koji has had, he could have easily been in the G1 and done well and done better than Tanahashi probably will do because of the state of his body and stuff.
0: Yeah, that's a good shout.
1: Absolutely. I, I, I agree. I would have took, take, take Katahashi out and put Kojima in. That sounds like our improvement on the G1. Uh, <laughs> next we had talk about a match that exceeded expectations. The AEW international championship up for grabs four, four way matchup, Orange Cassidy, Kassishori Shibata, Zach Sabre Jr. And Daniel Garcia. This was a matchup that only goes 11 minutes and 32 seconds. But it felt like it was, like, 15, 20 minutes. And it it did, it did also didn't feel like it was 15, 20 minutes. I don't know how to describe it. But this was the matchup I felt, out of all the matchups on the show, far exceeded the expectations that you had going in, where you had the Zack Sabre Jr. and Shibata going at it. Like, they were bitter rivals, smacking the crap out of each other. And then Daniel Garcia is trying to get in between them, and they're just smacking him. Then going back to their striking scene, smacking him, going back to the strike exchange that he starts no selling their smacks and starts doing his goofy dance (laughs) The goofy dance is getting over with me. I just thought it was stupid at first, but now I realize that it's purposely, it's purposely stupid for a reason because he's trying to be a sports entertainer when he's really a wrestler. So he just has this goofy dance and that gets the better of him. Orange Cassidy always trying to get wins and he gets it in a kind of nefarious way where he takes advantage of Shibata, hitting the PK on Daniel Garcia, pushes him out the ring, gets a cruiser, Fix pin, and I know out of everybody on this show, Sana was the high person on this matchup. What did you think about this four way here?
2: This was this was my match of the night, honestly. We went like eleven minutes, but I was obsessed with it. I I expected some good stuff because you can't not have Orange Cassidy, button zach Sabre Jr. In a ring and not produce magic. But it exceeded everything. Like there was amazing wrestling, there was humor. There was so much, like... Because Fatal 4 Ways can be chaotic. It's why we don't really see them in New Japan. If any, like, maybe in tag matches sometimes um, for titles. But it just worked perfectly. We just saw from the very beginning that Shibata and Zack still hate each other. And they wanted to do it. And obviously Garcia, poor thing, was trying to get into it. And just getting literally, like, slapped away. And it's just so innovative. And, yeah, I mean not everyone is going to be a fan of orange cassidy i am i think he's amazing and the fact that like at the end they zach was still like talking to orange cassidy the fact that both of them have done so much for the titles they're holding i want to see a singles match
1: like orange cassidy is really putting in a shift in 2023 where he's like a dark horse wrestler of the year right now with a with a with a mid-card title he's really kind of showing the world that he's one of the better wrestlers in the world. And this matchup was another case of that. NK, any thoughts on the four-way?
0: Listen, this, this four-way was exactly what I wanted it to be. Of course, I have, I would have preferred a Zach Sabre Jr. Um, Orange Cassidy singles match, but this is the, four, the four-way was the best it, 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 it could have been. And that's a compliment. Um, yeah. This, this I'm sorry, the spot where Daniel Garcia's is in, and then Zach Sabadew just about I just beat it. I, I was dying. Like this, this dancing gimmick that Daniel that Garcia's got is hilarious to me. But just the sequences, the exchanges, like every man came out just looking like a star in this match. I mean, these all a lot of these guys are already stars, anyways. Yeah. But this is kind of like this is like the perfect trailer for everyone. Like, if somebody because I know some of the guys on wrestling aren't too familiar. Um, with Shabata or some of the guys that only watch AW aren't too familiar with Shibata, um, or Zach and this was kind of like little trailers of who they are okay Zach's the submission guy Shabata is like the guy who just beats the hell out of people Um, and then Orange Cassidy's like the it's weird he's the laziest wrestler in the world but he's the workhorse champion and he's wrestling every week defending his title and this title run from um Orange Cassidy, well even Orange Cassidy and Zack Saber Jr., but Orange Cassidy specifically, because it was the all-international title. Uh it's whoever eventually defeats him and has to follow this is gonna be in for a tough task because he has set the bar extremely high. And even Zach with the TV title, like both men have set the the have set a precedent, have set a standard for that belt. That is going to be very hard to measure up to And achieve So um, good luck But until we get there I'm enjoying the ride That um, is the international title And the TV title
1: Absolutely two, I would say 1-2 As far as the best champions in wrestling I put Zach at number 1 But orange Castle is a close number 2 uh, Next we had the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship Up for grabs Sonata defending against Jungle Boy Jack Perry This, unfortunately, is the victim of having a 13-match card where you have an IWGP World Heavyweight Championship matchup that goes 10 minutes, 37 seconds, the, the shortest matchup on the main card for this show and it just felt like they were just coming out of second gear and they were just kind of forming a, a chemistry with one another and then sonata just hits the backbreaker well he gets a near fall on the shining wizard then he hits a backbreaker he goes up top hits the moonsault one, two. Three, you had Red Shoes checking the shoulders afterwards. You had early on Red Shoes getting a bigger reaction than either of these guys. It just felt unfortunate that Sonata didn't get like the main spotlight that he kind of could have had if the match went on a little bit longer. And then after the match, you had Jungle Boy Jack Perry turning heel, uh, betraying Hook as he laid him out on the stage. to A big reaction from the crowd got a lot of boos, and Taz was masterful on commentary selling the heel turn uh what did you think about the matchup and the post-match here and game
0: um the match itself i kind of wanted more but given the post-match angle and given the storyline that they're telling with jungle boy and aw kind of made sense in storyline jungle boy kind of got embarrassed the match only went 11 minutes Sonada was kind of no selling him on twitter I don't know who the hell Jungle Boy is, and it's kind of it gives Jungle Boy motivation to turn heel because like he's fumbled both of his title opportunities, and this singles title opportunity he fumbled in a big way. But I feel like there's I don't know I don't I don't want to say I want them. To, this is a match I'm dying for them to revisit, but there's certainly a lot left on the table for a rematch down the line. Heck, I'm some I'm a big proponent of some of Jungle Boy. So I would love to see Jungle Boy even like in like a New Japan Cup next year, and maybe you know, I I don't think Sonata will be champion next year, but if he is, sure. But if he's not, then like a Sonata versus Jungle Boy singles match in the New Japan Cup, or maybe a G One. But Tony's scared to send his talent to Japan. Um, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a I'm a quote SP three Tony, you're a coward. But um. <laughs> but yeah i don't know the match was solid but it, it never like said, never kicked into that next gear to take it to great but because of the angle they did afterwards it's okay it's understandable why they did it
2: i had you agree with nk like i was thinking this as like nk was saying about sending jungle boy to japan i think he'd work better there because his in-ring style there's no there's no reason to fault that it's just his character and being able to connect to the western fans but i think in japan he could be fine there because people learn but also most of it is in the ring so i think that that would work perfectly but the match itself it, it was what it was i feel bad for sonata because i feel like he could have done a lot more to showcase his skills as the champion more than 10 minutes and it was also a bit weird because jungle boys made this whole thing of that like he doesn't know who sonada is but he was doing sonada's moves (laughs) (laughs) which didn't make any sense to me whereas like sonada literally probably was like i don't know who this person is because sonada's sonada like he even though he's not in lij he's still tranquilo he doesn't care but um yeah i guess with what happened after it makes sense but i just kind of feel weird that one, it was an IWGP heavyweight title match and it went 10 minutes. And two, we only got to see Vecchio Luna for 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, yeah, come on. You got to give Retsho Zuno more than the shortest match on the main card. What are we doing? What are we doing? Should have gave him the next matchup since his son was in it. As you had Blackpool Combat Club, John Moxley, Willie Yuta, Claudio Castanoli teaming up with Shoto Amino, Kanosuke Takeshna versus the Elites, Hangman Adam Pace, the Young Bucks teaming up with Tomoreo Ishii and Eddie Kingston. And I absolutely loved this matchup this matchup is probably the second best matchup on the card for me. I gave I, I I on the True Hill Heat review over on the channel. I gave it five stars. This is the best 10 man tag I think I've ever seen in my life. It just felt like a party, the crowd was on fire. Uh, you had some electric dynamics and different stories threaded throughout this. Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, when they get in there into the ring with each other, you the tension was palpable, the crowd were on their feet. You had Kingston trying to go after Claudio Castell. Stinoli. You had the Young Bucks and Hangman, their issue with the Blackpool Combat Club. Kanosuke Takeshna and Tomori Ishii just look like long-lost lovers of just violence just wanted to ram each other <laughs> and beat the crap out of one another uh, you had you had that little exchange the only person who felt like they didn't get a, too much of a, a spotlight was Shoto Amino but even him had an exchange where he and uh, Takeshna teamed up with one another in this one Takeshna looked like an absolute star given the German suplex to both young bucks and then finally it was Tomori Ishii who put Willa Yuta away with the brain buster to get the victory here this got a lot of time So many different highlights And different exchanges Throughout this 21 minutes long NK What did you think about This 10-man tag?
0: This was Literally If it wasn't for The match we We're going to talk about This would be match of the night um, Tomahiro Ishii And Kanosuke Takeshita That That whole exchange Was nuts Like no, like really, I know I need. If there is one person I want to see in the G one, it's Konosuke Takeshita. I need that. I need. I need that in my veins right now. Like right. To, listen, this match, just the just the sequences between Hangman and Takeshita. I feel like Showa, like you said, Shoto, you Mino know, probably didn't get the biggest. Highlighting this match, but it's a ten-man tag, so I get it. But ECE, it's an ECE, especially because I feel like ECE's lost a lot on AEW every time he's appeared, and I've kind of wanted, you know, ECE to like have a more prominent role when he does come overseas. Because yeah, ECE is someone that can take a pin, but ECE is a badass as well, and I feel like this match just highlighted who ECE was. Even that the. The um the spots that Ishii and Eddie Kingston did together, um yeah. and Hangman just came across well in this match. Like this match was just balls to the wall action, and it was just oh my god! I don't like ten man tags, but I love like I, if ten man tags are like this, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um and then even Ishi getting the win, um getting the final pin was nice to see. But yeah, Teksta need to. I need Takeshto. Like I've already fantasy booked Takesh, I shouldn't go to Kagi in my head. Um as like a block final. Yeah, I I need that at some point. He's in there. he's he I know he's DDT D- D- guy, but he's signed to AW now and AWD and New Japan have a working relationship, so he can make that happen now. We, yeah. we can make that happen.
1: I, I hope after this Omega program, he's a top star, and we can put him in there with one of New Japan's top stars next year. Forbidden For sure. door. That's that's For what sure. I really want. And I know you're a big fan of Takeshita uh, Sanal. So, what did you think about seeing this new version of him, the heel version of Takeshita, in this ten uh, man tag?
2: I mean, this match itself was so bizarre to me. You've got the elite teaming with Eddie Kingston and Ishii. Then you've got um, the the Blackpool combat crew like Takeshita and then Shota Umino is tagging with Takeshita. It blows my mind, but I mean, the thing is, the funny thing is a lot of AEW fans will probably see Takeshita and they will see him as a rising star. But if you watch DDT, you know he is the star. Like for so long, he... And I always bring this up, like, because people who don't know, like an analogy for New Japan fans, Takeshita was the Okada of DDT. He was a multiple time KOD openweight champion. He won tag titles. He was the leader of a faction at one point and then he had the 37 Kamina. Like, he is not a, like, a small thing. He's not someone who has come to AEW and thrived. He is someone who has always thrived but has been given a bigger platform. And considering now that New Japan AEW are close and Takeshi's AEW, yes, NK is right. Please. Give us to ke- like to question. you know. I can't wait until next year. Give him in the new Japan Cup. Bring him to the new Japan Cup, and I'll be happy.
0: Yeah.
1: agree with y'all there Next you had the AEW Women's World Championship Tony Storm versus Willow Nightingale I thought this one got uh, the right Amount of time, it got just over 11 Minutes and you know once The outcast shenanigans got Away when they get ejected It was more focused on the two ladies And they had a very hard hitting matchup A lot of high impact moves, especially Willow Nightingale hitting the, the big DVD on the apron at one Point and then back into the ring for near fall but uh it was tony storm who got the victory by gouging the eyes of willow nightingale and hitting storm zero to get the victory in this one sadal what did you think about willow and tony here
2: i think in a like it was a very good man i think it's like we'll say it later on it was sort of hard to go up after that 10-man tag because that was such a phenomenal battle um, I think once the outside interference, because for some reason last night for Bindo Two was a day that I wasn't feeling any interference. I was just I was very anti interference. But I I really think that Willow Nightingale is a star. She has this charisma. Like Tony Storm is already cemented her legacy. People have known her for years. But I know personally, like it was only I think during the last tournament for the New Japan Strong Women's Title that I knew about her. And she's so dynamic, so charismatic in the ring. And I think didn't they say she's got literally she's got a match with Julia? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Julia challenged her at the Stardom show this weekend and uh it she accepted the challenge that went up on uh on the New Japan Twitter page uh the day we're recording this so apparently they're going to face either July 4th or July 5th for Independence Day show. So we'll add that in to our final predictions to close this show here but Julia, I don't know do you what do you think, NK? Do you think Willow's gonna successfully defend against Julia? And what did you think about Willow and Tony here?
0: Willow and Tony was fun, but I, I agree with Sonos. Willow Nightingale is like one of like my like if 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 we were to do like a Rising Star of the Year award, Willow Nightingale would be like somebody that I, I I put in like the nominations like just this year alone. And obviously, like yeah, we can probably assume that. Mercedes was, was maybe supposed to be here, but what Willow's done with the opportunity and the time that she's been allocated has been excellent, and she's she has this infectious charisma that's like very organic. Like it's very hard, like ba- when 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 you're presenting yourself as a babyface, it's very hard to come across as genuine. Sometimes you can come across as like too sweet or too um too nice to where it becomes like sickly. And it doesn't feel authentic. Willow just has this infectious personality and that feels organic. Um, And the match itself was pretty good. Um, You know, I think it went the right amount of time. I don't think it needed to go too long. Um, But Willow versus Julia is something that excites me a lot. Obviously, Julia is somebody like in, in stardom that's like that's even trended outside of stardom. She's, I know people that don't have not, that haven't watched a single star than pay per view, but they will come up to me and be like, that Julia chicks it. Like, she's it. She's got the star presence. She's got, you know what I'm saying? And her versus Willow would just be, again, another excellent, just forget just the match itself, just the pageantry, the the entrances alone will will, will be amazing. And then both of them are great wrestlers. Obviously, Julia being like the, the wrestler. I think Willow retains. I think, give Willow some time with this title, let her cook, you know, give her a few months with this and then maybe, you know, when Mercedes is healed, we can do a rematch or whatever. But I feel like, you know, keep the title on Willow, let her make something of this title for herself and, you know, I feel like she'll do a good job as its inaugural champion.
1: Absolutely, and it's time to talk about the match that everybody is going to be talking about from this show. Kenny Omega defending the IWGP United States Championship against Will Ospreay. Only thing I got to say here, the Mount Rushmore of sequels is is now confirmed to be, in my opinion, Terminator 2, The Dark Knight, Empire Strikes Back, And Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega at Forbidden Door 2. Those are the greatest sequels I've ever seen in my life. And this matchup just took what was a dream match at Wrestle Kingdom 17 and added violence, hatred blood feud mixed martial arts hard-hitting action and just moments moments you will never forget like the moment from Wrestle Kingdom 17 that I will never forget is Omega bashing uh Osprey's head into the table and then doing the the Jack Nicholson hey I'm here I will never forget that moment it lives with me it lives with me to this day but there's multiple moments of that in this matchup like Will Osprey getting revenge for that by smashing Omega's head into the commentary table and busted him open. Omega bashing his head into the the steel steps and busting him open. The DDT on the steel steps. Osprey taking the Canadian flag and doing the Shawn Michaels and then Omega hanging him with the Canadian flag. Then the, their mixed martial art exchange where blood is just splattered everywhere like a Jackson Pollock, uh, <laughs> Jackson Pollock art uh, all over the canvas. Then you get you get uh, Don Callis who is Ejected early, he comes back out. He hands Osprey the the screwdriver as Omega's hitting him with B triggers. Omega gets him up for the for the One Ring Angel. He stabs him in the head with the screwdriver. Hits Hidden Blade. Hits the Stormbreaker. One. Two and Omega gets his foot on the rope, and this Toronto crowd just explodes. Then Don Callis tells him to give him Kota Ibushi's finisher that will really get to him. He hits him with Kamagoye Osprey, then Osprey picks him up, gives him the one-wing angel and Excalibur saying no one kicks out of the one wing, and then Kenny Omega kicks out and fucking one and one and fucking one. What At fucking one? What? Are you serious? I had an outer body experience. It felt like that. Thirteen thousand at Scottrade Bank Arena had an outer body experience, and then the final sequence with with Omega hitting his his old uh, Gross Wrath finisher. Then you had Osprey with the Tiger Driver that completely almost broke Omega's neck. Then another Hidden Blade. He hits him with the Hidden Blade out of the Rain Trigger. Another Hidden Blade. Then he hits another Stormbreaker. One, two, three, three. Thirty-nine minutes, an instant classic. NK, what did you think about this match? And the key question to uh, everyone's asking: What was better, Wrestle Kingdom or Forbidden Door?
0: I don't. Ah, uh, that's a tough question. The thing is, I've rewatched the match. I'm leaning towards Forbidden Door, but it's it's hard. It's it's I, okay. I feel like on a technical level, the Wrestle Kingdom match was more of a pure wrestling match. Of course, you had the violence in there, but it was. I feel like what I, the thing about this match was just like you said, just the violence, the the animosity, the hatred between these these two. I, I'm just speak. I can't speak about this match. It's just it's an experience. Like like I. Like I watched this match, and bearing in mind, like in the UK, it was probably around like maybe three AM or something like that. And I was I, I was fading towards the end. <laughs> that. I was fading. I had to rewatch this pay per view like today. But as soon as the as soon as like um like Ome- like Osprey started ramming Omega's head into the announce desk, I was like, oh, I'm awake now. I'm awake. Um just the Don Callis spot that 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 kick out spot at one the thing is I saw I not I kind of saw it coming because I remember um uh revolution 2020 2020 yeah 2020 when the young bucks hit the BTE trigger on omega and he kicked out at one and I was like if Osprey hits this there's no way omega's lying down and he just kicked out and I don't I I don't know like how these guys do it. Because I thought I had seen the greatest wrestling saga in Omega Okada. And I'm not saying Omega Osprey will be better. But it's got competition now. <laughs> Omega Okada has competition. Now. If you just go by the first two matches, it's got competition. Now, whichever series you think is better is valid for me. And Kenny Omega to me is like one of my probably one of the greatest wrestlers I've seen. And I always say like his greatest year ever is 2018. That Kenny Omega in 2018 with the with where the, you know he had um he had obviously the match with Okada, he had the tag match with um Golden Lovers versus um the Hunk, yeah, the, the Young yeah, yeah. Gold, Bucks. Golden Lovers versus Hiroshi Tanahashi and um Will Ospreay. Okay. So I uh, was of these matches in the G1 with Kota Ibushi, Ishii Naito, you know. 2018, Kenny Omega is like one of the best, great best years I've seen in wrestling. Kenny Omega in 2023 is like his resume is 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 stacked. Like we've got obviously the two Osprey matches, we've got the match against Vikingo, we've got Anarchy in the Arena, we've got some of the trios matches he's had in AEW, we've got the match with Jeff Cobb, we've got the Steel Cage match with John Moxley. Kenny Omega in 2023. It's a scary sight. I, I, I
1: literally I can tell you on True Hill Heat. Uh, our, our boy Romeo said Will Ospreay's wrestler of the year. I was like, Will Ospreay had two months off. Let's not, let's not, let, let's not take that into account. He can have the moniker of best wrestler in the world because he beat the current best wrestler in the world because Kenny Omega is 2023's wrestler of the year already. Already, because not only that, we're two weeks away from Vikingo and Omega 2. We're we're yeah. we're two we- we're two three weeks away from blood and guts. Like, yeah. yo, he's just adding to this. If he can stay healthy. This might eclipse his 2018. This might eclipse his 2017. I don't think there's anyone in the wrestling business that has had three years like that. His 2017 with the three Okada matches with his G1. He had the one of the greatest G1 finals of all time with Tensuya Naito that year. Like that was a great year. 2018, like you said, all those matches. But 2023, the best of the, the game seven against Death Triangle, the two Osprey matches, Vikingo, Moxley in a steel cage, like the anarchy in the arena. It doesn't matter if it's a singles, a tag team, a trios match, a four on four. He has delivered some of the best matches of this year. He is by far the wrestler of the year so far. I mean, I
2: uh, mean, so- I'd, I mean, I'd put I'd put Doki in that. You know, I feel like you're missing <laughs> the most important person to in wrestling the year, like Doki. You know, he had Chicago. Doki had
0: a at great the match against his Jungle hands. Boy. He did.
2: <laughs> he had <laughs> Chicago and Jay White at the palm of his hands. <laughs>
1: So now I going not even keep keep a straight face saying that. So now I know you you had your your nitpick for this about the the Don Callis interference of this. So tell us what your thoughts overall on the Forbidden Door match between Omega and Osprey.
2: I mean, it was it was a great match. Like I can't—they're two of the best wrestlers in the world for a reason. My issue comes with the storyline going into it. Now, for me, the big storyline should have been. What Osprey has been saying forever, that he needs to beat Kenny. This is the big moment. He needs to elevate himself. Otherwise, he needs to rethink what he's doing. That should have been the overwhelming arc. However, from the very beginning, and even commentary you mentioned this, it was this rift between Don Callis and Kenny, and now Don Callis is with Osprey. Now, um, we said on Twitter, Heat, and I guess we I was sort of mistaken that in the past, Osprey has had help. When the Empire first became a thing, he had help from B Priestley and Great Okan However, that he very quickly realized that was not a thing. And whether he was a babyface or now is the Empire, he never gets outside help. The members of the Empire always come out with them, they do it with each other, but they never get involved more than maybe giving them support. Or if, for example, like when Cal Fletcher started bleeding. But this almost felt like we'd lost, like, Osprey wouldn't just accept a screwdriver from Dunk. He would say no, I don't need that. Because didn't you say, Smith, you that when he had the match with Okan, and Okan helped, he said he hadn't actually won. He didn't feel like he'd beat Okada.
1: Yeah, before before last year's G1 finals, when he beats Naito, he talks about how he's basically—I think it was six—and he was one in six versus Okada, and he felt like that one didn't even matter because he got help from Okan to beat uh o- o- Okada in the 2020 G1. So he said he needed to do it on his own. He was gonna look at o- Okada's greatest rivals and beat him on his own. He wasn't able to get the job done, but maybe that's a part of the story that he he did he. Really- Realize That he does need the help to beat the Omega and Okadas of the world You could say that but
2: Then that goes against everything that he wants He wants to <laughs> prove he is better than Kenny Omega But you're telling me that he can't beat Kenny Omega without it. Like any New Japan fan knows that Yes, Kenny is the best one But Osprey is pretty damn good And can easily probably beat Kenny on a good day Without any cheating He's done it with Okada You know what I mean Like I feel like it shouldn't take away from the match as much as it did for me. But, like I said, I think last night I just wasn't in the mood for any like interference. I was like, oh, I thought I'd got rid of Gato and Dick Togo and House of Torture. But they <laughs> brought down Callison in instead.
1: <laughs> hey, Don this is a little bit better than, than those guys A little bit better And it led to th- two of the greatest kickouts of the year for me So, <laughs> I'll take it um, the, the final two matches You first had uh, Los Stinganables de Japón Versus Los Suzuki Gods uh, NK, very quickly <laughs> Any thoughts on this match As uh, Sting and Naito Double-team Suzuki to get the win
0: Meh nah. Just meh. This this match was meh. Like Niall did it from time Niall didn't even bother to. No, was a troll. He came out in the full regalia, in the full outfit, but still wore the t-shirt. You don't do that. You pick one or the other. You either come in the full gear and wrestle, or you come in the t-shirt. You don't. What is this like? I was. I was. I, I feel like Stephen A. I've I have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, <laughs> led astray, run amok, and flat out deceived. I was deceived. I thought we were gonna get classic that, but um, this match. I think this match was what it was, and I think it had to be this way because you're just following one of the greatest matches of the year. And yeah, I I this is a match I won't revisit. This is probably the match from Forbidden Door that. I have no qualms about skipping. Um, the match was what it was. It was it was a thing. I want to see either Naito in a singles match next year, but because I know Naito's knees are done too. We spoke about Tanahashi, but Naito's knees are also done. So if a singles match doesn't serve him, then I just want L.I.J. in full force, in a multi-match, just all of them. If you can't get them all in individual singles matches, fine. But get them as a team. Get them as a team. That's, I, that's what I'd want to see from Alajay next year.
1: That that is a fair a fair critique and uh, something to want for for next year, especially if he gets Haromu and Shingo on the main card. Uh, and then finally, we had the main event: da- Brian Danielson versus Kazuka Okada. Uh, This was more of your classical technical wrestling clinic. It build and build. About ten minutes in, uh, Okada gives uh, Brian a tombstone on the ramp. He puts him back in. Hits an elbow drop where apparently it fractures the forearm of Brian Danielson. So Brian Danielson had to work another like fifteen minutes or so with a broken arm, and it was very visible that the harm was just hanging there. You thought it was selling at first, but it was a real injury. We get the kickouts of the Psycho Knee. And the Rainmaker. And then finally, uh, Brian has to improvise. Instead of getting the lapel lock, he gets a double arm bar where he uses his leg to pull back on the other arm of Okada. And Okada's like, I got the G1 to worry about. I'm just going to tap out at this. And he taps out. This one it was 27 and a half minutes. A lot of, I've heard mixed reactions. Even our former co host here, uh, Kirian, uh, on his quick thoughts on Forbidden Door, he said, This match, yikes so i don't know what that means but it seems like it's getting mixed reactions i thought it was great i gave you know omega osprey i gave six stars again two two in a two in one year this match i gave four and a half it's a little below of the five star kind of floor that i had for the matchup but still an excellent match overall in my opinion but sanal any thoughts on okada and dragon
2: i think yikes is a bit a bit too harsh like I feel like it maybe didn't benefit from coming after probably one of the worst matches that could possibly have happened on a Forbidden Door card. I don't, I don't even know what to say about that match. I feel like if they do like a replay, they might want to cut it out or just keep Naito's entrance in. But I feel like that was a highlight of it. But I feel like maybe people had too high expectations. They went in thinking, like, oh, my God, this is going to be, like, the match of the year. And then, obviously, circumstances, including, like, his the injury, the, the broken arm, yeah. like, is mm-hmm. going to impact it in some way. And also, when you have such a big story, like Omega and Osprey, that has happened, that has continued, you're always going to struggle because while this has been set for months, even probably years in terms of, like, Osprey, Being the top guys in in New Japan. Danielson and Okada was sort of just flung together and was sort of based on the hype of the two of the best wrestlers in the world. While it was by far a bad match, I think it didn't live up to the expectations because of a number of reasons that were probably out of their control.
0: Yeah, I think this is, um, like Sonal said, like it did not meet the expectations. I thought this could be potentially match of the night. Like, I came into this thinking it's Okada, it's Danielson, um, just two of the most sound minds in wrestling. And I felt like this match never kicked into third gear. Like, we got the traditional Okada, you know, slow build to the match. Then we got the finishes introduced. But then there's that final stretch that we never got. And that's part. And then I believe that's mostly due to the injury. But also, maybe putting this match as the main event, wasn't the best idea i feel especially i under I, I i understood why they did it it's like it's the freshest match on the card it's the it's the two arguably biggest stars because so i understand why they put it on last but i feel like omega and osprey because they had there's that story element as sonal mentioned it deserves to go last and i feel like if this match had come before maybe our perception of it would have been different because it it wasn't following what Omega and Osprey were going to do which already had which already we already knew was going to be of a high quality based on the match they had on Wrestle Kingdom so this match was good this match was good i'm i'm not going to sit here and say it was a bad match it was a good it was a it was a good match it just for me it never kicked into that magical third gear that Okada matches usually have Where he's hitting the spinning tombstones, he's screaming, he's but it never got there. And I think, I think they should, I think, I really think they should run this back. I feel maybe at Tokyo Dome, maybe at all in. I know from the um media scrum, it seems that Danielson wants to do this again. And obviously, Danielson's not getting younger. I feel like Danielson at this stage of his career, he's a lot more susceptible to injury, and we've seen that now so if you are going to do this match again do it quickly but i thought give these guys time i feel like the, the next match should go 35 minutes minimum these guys need time to work but i'm not as that da- i'm not down on the match but i'm certainly not going to say that oh it was everything that i hoped and dreamed for because it wasn't but yeah i think it's just a victim of like various different circumstances
1: Hey, I got final countdown, so I might be also very high on this on this match <laughs> because I got <laughs> final countdown. That 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 brought back eighteen year old SP three sitting in Hammerstein Ballroom at New York R O A shows screaming this at the top of my lungs. It brought back so many great memories with that. But like you guys said, it was a kind of a victim of the circumstances with the injuries. But all in all, I think we can all agree a great show was Forbidden Door two. Uh, quickly to wrap up the Forbidden Door two talks, Forbidden Door one, Forbidden Door two, which was better, Sanal. Two okay. one you're going with one wow just,
2: right so this we have issues so for example <laughs> I didn't like I didn't like the pre-show there was there should have been more balance there your the top stars that should have been the main one my sadness for Tanahashi um the short time and the lackluster match for samada no this sounds like i mean i'm not being negative this is just like small little um the don Callis issue the six-man match i just feel like the first one was more consistent here i found myself picking at things little things that really to any wrestling fan would be fine but to someone who has watched the caliber of the new japan matches over the past few months it's sort of like Ah, like I just I wanted it to be amazing, but it was the small things that seemed to add up. Whereas Forbidden so Door
0: And gay, you're going with two. Yeah, I'm going with two. I kind of get where Sonals coming from, but I also think Forbidden Door One kind of benefited from lower expectations as well, because I think the yeah. card for Forbidden Door mm-hmm. One. Because of the injuries, we a lot of people went into this card thinking, how the hell were they going to even put this show together? I mean, um, like, Hirobu Takahashi got injured hours before the show. Someone like Kenny wasn't on the show, Daniel wasn't on the show. And I think, so Forbidden Door 1 is like that rare thing of just like, it was a great show, don't get it twisted, but I think just the novelty of seeing, oh my God, New Japan stars in America in a different company being accepted for who they are, not being rebranded, not having to um change themselves for a Western audience, just being unapologetic, unapologetically themselves. That that novelty will always be there. But for Forbidden Door two, for me, I think Forbidden Door one was the more consistent show. I agree. It didn't really have Forbidden Door one didn't even have any significant dips, but the yeah. highs of Forbidden Door two are just so high for me. Um, Omega, excuse the train in the background, but yeah, um. <laughs> but for obviously we talk about Omega, um, Osprey. We've got the Fatal Four Way. We've got the Ten Man Tag. You know, and then you've got the little matches that I did like. For example, Punk vs. Kojima was a pleasant surprise. So overall, I think just the highs for Door Two is a is a much heavy a top heavy show. It's not balanced, yeah. but it's just very top heavy, and mm-hmm. the stuff that was at the top. Just put. Just, was just sensational.
2: Maybe I'm also better that there was no jay White on the show. That I might. Think that's be the, that's the key. To-
1: that's the key, because for me, I agree with NK, and I agree with you, Sonal. I feel like Forbidden Door 1 was more consistent, where you had, like, four-star match after four-star match after four-star match. But the highs of Forbidden Door 2 is what gives it the edge, where I had no five-star matches on Forbidden Door 1. I had two. One got five stars, and the other got six stars from me. So I got to give the, the nod to Forbidden Door 2 on this one. But... That wraps up our Forbidden Door Two talk. We're gonna close out things with rapid fire Independence Day predictions. N.K. Start us off with giving your plugs, wrestle things, everything you got going on, good brother.
0: Yeah, man. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter, N.K. Preach, but more importantly, follow Restings. Um, we are follow us on Twitter at Restings. Follow us on YouTube at Restings. We have excuse me, a variety of different content. Um, we've got Revolution Radio, where we break down weekly episodes of Dynamite, and we will definitely be reviewing Forbidden Door at Revolution Radio. We have got Indie Takers hosted by um, Del Boy, which covers a variety of independents and what MJF calls the Japanese independent New Japan. So... Um, <laughs> so
2: definitely you think talk- I buy that T-shirt? I think it's yeah. great. I think it's hilarious.
0: <laughs> New Japan uh, is an indie. Yeah. It's an indie, <laughs> but um, yeah. And then obviously we've got our flagship show that comes out every Friday, the Wrestling's Podcast, and we will definitely be talking about uh, Forbidden Door and New Japan as a whole. So yeah, follow Wrestling's for all that good wrestling content. Coolest podcast in the world.
1: Indeed, they are Sanal. You got plenty of content coming out for Forbidden Door, for Independence Day, maybe uh, for G One. <laughs> Let the people know
2: so you like as always you can find me on twitter at wrestling underscore chat and after i mean this is going to be released on tuesday but after hell with my internet my forbidden door review has been uploaded so you can go on sonal's life on youtube and watch that like sp3 said maybe Independence day but ahead of the g1 and some huge shows coming up my channel is going to be busy and yeah make sure to subscribe there and if you follow me on twitter you'll be the first people to find out when i'm posting.
1: And you can follow me on the Twitter machine at True Hill SP3. Follow the gang on the YouTube channel, True Hill Heat. That is T R U, no E, heel Heat. And we got our Forbidden Door, a very long Forbidden Door review But it's plenty of great conversation Honestly, one of my favorite Reviews we did all year, Sanaa was Joining us, we had uh, Romeo and Jade News, check out Also the Forbidden Door preview I had NK on that with Jade News With Joe Holbert So uh, honestly, one of my favorite weeks Of the whole entire year as far as content On the True Hill Heat YouTube channel So check it out right now and the Flash Podcast every Saturday, 1105 a.m. Eastern Time live and you can watch it on demand episode 231 right now. But Independence Day is coming up July 4th and 5th we're going to we're going to give predictions for the top matches. The uh, first show on July 4th is from Kurgan Hall. You got on the kickoff match Asuka Lobe teaming up with Yo and Risuke Taguchi to verse Takahiro Katari, uh Dragon Libre and king can go i don't know any of these people maybe i don't know if y'all do do y'all nope 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 <laughs> <laughs> then you got uh the dkc versus uh bad dude tito you got a six-man tag team matchup of riho iwa teaming up with alex zane returning to new japan as well as lance archer on the babyface team to verse team Filthy's Sorry, can I, Jira- can I just
2: say something since suzuki-gun disbanded the, the world's getting weirder and weirder <laughs> suzuki team with young lions despues with chaos and now lance archer's on the babyface team
1: I, 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 I just saw this. I literally am just reading this off the neutrality. <laughs> so you the University team filthy, Stravel Nelson, Royce Isaac, and Jr. Kratos. We got uh Fujita going one-on-one with Tom Lawler. Big spot for Fujita. You got uh, Rocky Romero and Eddie Kingston versus Gato and Kenta. And then the first match we'll preview on the first night for the Strong Openweight Tag Team Championships. The first of two matches between these two teams is Bishamon versus the Bullet Club War Dogs of Gabe Kidd and Alice Coglin. NK, who you got walking out with the Strong Openweight Tag Team titles.
0: War dogs, baby. War dogs, yeah.
1: I kind of agree with you. Uh, you got the exciting encounter doomsday no dq match. June Kasai making his new Japan pro wrestling debut, teaming up with El Desperado to verse the one the notorious one eight seven Hobbicide and John Moxley. I cannot wait for this matchup. Sana, who you got?
2: it's so hard like this is the most I'm, all right i'm gonna go in my heart i feel like it's not going to be right but i'm going to my heart i'm going with kasai and el desperado because they put on an amazing match together and they say that the best opponents normally work the best together like we've seen it at okada and tanahashi and things like that so i'm going to say that but i'm so excited for that match. the fact you know. that you know when when he junkers actually came into the new japan ring to accept it and the pop that he got
1: Sign me up, sign me up. I, I agree with both of you. I think Bullet Club War Dogs walk out with the strong openweight titles, and I think uh, El Desperado and June Katsai win that one. In the main event, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Titles. You got Francisco Akira and TJP, Catch-2-2, two, two, making their first defense of their second reign against the other, of the juniors of the Bullet Club War Dog Clark Connors and the Drilla Maloney. Does the Bullet Club go two for two for tag team
0: titles, NK? Not yet. No, no, no. I see uh, Catch 2-2 retaining. Catch 2-2 for the retention there.
1: And then July 5th, we got the kickoff match. Bolton Oleg teaming up with Master Wado and Rasuke Taguchi to verse another names that I don't know who these guys are. Rekka T- takahiro katari and dragon libre then we got uh asuka lobe versus jr kratos you got roi Uyua te- teaming up with the notorious 187 homicide to verse uh francisco akira and tjp catch two two you got rocky romero and yo who were Pongi 3k 2.0 yeah, maybe they're
2: reuniting it's been too long since rocky has been in japan
1: feel so good versus the Bullet Club War Dogs of Clark Connors and Driller Maloney. You have Alex Zane and Lance Archer versus Kosei Fujita and Bad Dude Tito. You got the DKC, Tomohiro Ishii, and Hiroshi Tadahashi in six-man tag team action versus Team Filthy, Jarrell Nelson, Royce Isaac, and Tom Lawler. And then the first match we'll preview here. It's part two of this two-match series for the IWGP Tag Team Championships. Bisha. Wolverse Gabe Kidd, and Alex Coglin Sanal, who you got walking out with the IWGP tag team titles?
2: I have the Shimon. I feel like there's a reason that they split the matches up. I feel like the, the New Japan Strong titles work best with the New Blood. We can build up that division with, like, we've got Willow, Nightingale with, obviously, Rising Star for the women's division. We can have it with that. And I think because if we're gonna cement this new book they need to win a title they need something to cement that they did it on for a reason and having the strong tiles would be good i think it'd be the best and also it wouldn't downgrade any of their momentum because they're all four of them are in the g1 so it wouldn't downgrade because they'd both have wins and losses
1: Exactly, and I think uh, I think a couple of them are in the same block. I know Coglin and uh Goto are in the same block for sure. And then you got this one should be an absolute war based on their first matchup: El Desperado versus John Moxley. Final death. Who you
0: got, NK? This is, um, I got John Moxley. But the PSA I want to put out is. Hide your husband, hide your kids, hide your wife. <laughs> like, yeah, this is not for the children. Make sure everyone's tucked in bed. Parental parental guidance is very much needed. Um, Yeah, these... these I, are I thought sick. you
2: were saying that because I thought you thought that Despy was going to remove his mask and he was going to be so handsome that you have to hide him.
0: Maybe. That too. That too. <laughs> that too. Des- Despie's a very handsome guy. Very handsome guy. But... <laughs> But no, uh, yeah, this one should be absolute chaos, and uh, I'm going to love every second of it, but I've got Sean Moxley.
1: And then finally, we got Eddie Kingston challenging Kenta for the strong openweight championship. I think we can all give our predictions with this one, and I'm going New York strong. Eddie Kingston, your strong openweight champion. Sanal?
2: I'm just going against Kenta. I just I just feel like... I don't know why they had Hikalea win, just have Hikaleo lose and I just Ken- Kent is not Kenta. It's not like with Tanahashi, it was a case of Tanahashi can still go, but his body can't. Yeah, I feel like Kenta's body can still go, but Kenta is just not in the frame of mind to go as like he used to.
0: He's checked out. NK. Um, I got I got Kenta because um Eddie <laughs> Kingston never wins the big one. He just doesn't do it. He just I mean doesn't he beat Jay Hey, that was a big one. That was a big one for a title. He never wins the big one for a title. So, hey, the
1: the theme is you have to beat Jay White to then beat Kenta for the open weight title. If 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 Eddie Kingston wins, that's the theme. That's the theme. You then go on to beat Kenta, but then you'll probably lose it back mm. to Kenta.
0: <laughs> exactly, but uh I think Kenta retains. Um, hmm. It could be interesting if Eddie goes into the G1 as strong champion. I mean, as I'm never open champion, it would be interesting um to see, but I don't, I don't think that's going to happen.
1: We shall see, but we'll talk all about Independence Day on the next edition of Ace Techers, as well as our final predictions for the G1 Climax tournament. Can't wait for that. uh any final words? Any final thoughts before we wrap things up here, guys?
0: Tony, send some guys to Japan. Send <laughs> some guys to the I want I want guys at the best of the super juniors. I want guys want. Yes, I want send some guys to Japan. We need to start send. doing exchange.
2: I'm still better that Tony Khan didn't give us Hiromu Takahashi versus Darby Allen. It's the biggest, Wait. the biggest upset of this entire card.
1: Where's our Hiromo versus Darby? Please. All right. This has been Ace Techers. That's NK. That's Anal. It is me. It is me, your True Hill Phenom SP3. And we will see you on the next one. Peace, y'all.